Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Geico of Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. This week's sponsor is your local Geico of Mobile. Hey y'all, did y'all know Geico offered water service? That's right, it'll cover breakdowns, gas problems, all kind of stuff like that that we may run into on the water. Hey, and you can even bundle it with your existing boat insurance to save more. Call Ron Davis of Geico Mobile and get you a quote, 251-445-0053. That's Ron Davis at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. I'm Brian Sin, your host. Join with our co-host, Stephen Wisdom. What's going on, Stephen? How's your week been? Man, has it been slower than mine? I hope so. No, n- never never is a slow day in my life anymore. So we own a feed company, and there's a huge misconception of when you start to feed your deer to grow antlers, and, and uh, that's this time. Everyone thinks they need to start now, but they needed to start three months ago, but that doesn't change the fact that our business usually spikes in, in June, and so it has been a crazy, 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 crazy week, really a crazy month, and uh, we're just trying to play catch-up. you moving some feed right now, though. Yeah, we're moving <laughs> some feed. Yeah, we are. What's the average guy going to feed his deer? This is off the subject. Average guy? Yeah, I mean, well, I my, mean out my, per acre. My, I mean, how do, you, how, do, how do they figure that out? Uh, I think if you have a 1,000-acre farm, you could uh, easily do a ton a month. Ton a month. Mm, some guys do too. It depends on it depends on your expenditure. If you put it out there, they're gonna eat it. I had a I was with a guy on a piece of property that uh hopefully I, I'll have it have it listed on here next week, but it is a high fence place. Uh he's got some incredibly good deer on it. He manages it himself and I was asking him about his feed program and I was asking him about his management and how how he knew how many deer he had and how to, you know, do what to take off every year. And he said, you know, we don't do, we're not as sophisticated. We're not doing pay hunts. This is a high fence for our family and friends, Mm -hmm. for us to enjoy. We're not overly crazy about, serious about it. But he said, I know how many deer I have by how much food they eat. Mm -hmm. He said, so when... I start putting food out and it's gone really quickly. Mm. And then I know I probably are getting a higher population if I'm putting mm. that same number. Anyway, have you heard that before? Yeah. I mean, a deer eat two to four pounds a day. And so you can make a calculation off that, especially in a, in a controlled environment like a fence where, you know, you don't have deer coming in and out of it. And, and they're, and they're going to, they're going to consume a significantly more, in there as well because there's just not as much for them to eat outside of that controlled area so a high fence usage usage rate is usually going to spike a little bit but but look that's just what i do fishing's my passion man let's talk about fishing that's why we're here let's Let's talk talk about about fishing. fishing let's go on into this first segment today and we are joined by david Hare. what's going on david Oh, just got in from uh, running a four-boat trip today and sitting here eating a cheeseburger at Bay Pines Marina here on Lake Martin. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, eating a cheeseburger. You had a four-boat trip, so you uh, that's a big crew. Yes, sir. We uh, uh, we had two boats was the same family, and the other two boats were two different crews. 
We wore them out today. Been like that since uh, May the 1st. Really? And and you're on Lake Martin, right? Uh, yes, sir. Lake Martin here in Ellick City, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So when you say y'all been wearing them out, what's that mean to a guy uh, that, that may, you know, be thinking about coming and trying some strike fishing, you know, like me? I, I've, I've never done it. So yeah. would, I mean, if, if I'm hearing it's great out there, what would my expectations be? Well, I'll just give you a for instance. Today, one boat boated uh, 20, 22, and the biggest he had was probably 16 pounds. One boat boated 17, and he had a 20-pounder and a 30-pounder. My boat boated 19, and our biggest one today was 15 pounds. And the other boat boated 11, and he said his biggest fish today was 12 pounds. And you need to fire that guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. uh, luck of the draw. Right? Luck of the draw. But you know, anything you know, 22 inches and longer. You know, you could, you only legally can keep uh, two per person, and so you have to release any that's 22 inches and longer if you have more than two. But under 22 inches, you can keep up to 15 per person, and. Uh, but as far as our guide service, we limit, we have uh, sort of changed our rules. We've limited it to 18 per boat. As long as we're under the uh, game and fish rules, as long as we're okay there, our limit is 18 per boat. Good deal. As, Good. as, far, as far as what we'll bring in and clean now, now we can catch and release all we want to. So how are you guys catching them right now? Uh, we're catching them on, on live bait and we're catching them in deep water and the earlier you can go, you know, the better the bite. Uh, the boat that caught the most today at his first stop this morning, he had boated 17 fish. Uh, and I think he said he was there about an hour and a half before he moved to his next spot. Good gracious. Now, I know, you know, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago, we was talking about talking about catching these giant stripe and and uh i know that at that they were they were hitting top water like really early in the morning and then moving out to the deepers the top water bite is it gone i mean these fish are they've moved on out and, and you might and yeah uh and and the funny thing is yeah i mean you you might be out there fishing and and just look you know out out away from the boat not in casting distance and you might see a fish come up every once in a while, and of course you can tell which ones are the stripers. But can you depend on a topwater bite? No, uh, not at all. Uh, you know, that's pretty much over with, unless you're just lucky enough that one comes up, you know, next to the boat. But as far as going and looking for that topwater bite, that, that, that's not going to happen right now. So when you talk about deep water, how deep are you talking? We talking uh, thirty feet. We talking sixty feet. Where are we at? Uh, oh no, sir. Uh, today I was I looked at several spots and marked some fish. I marked some fish in eighty and ninety foot water today. But I I was catching fish. One spot in particular was ninety two feet deep today. Uh, now yeah. that's not say that's not saying I was catching the fish at ninety two feet, but I was sitting in ninety two feet of water. Good gracious. 
Yeah, that's crazy. I, that's still, you know, we talked a little bit about that last the last time, and it still blows my mind on the depths of some of these these fish. So let's go back to this four boat deal. It was that like a just a was that a corporate group or a group of guys, or just happened to be the demand no, that high? Uh, the demand's pretty high, but one family had two boats. Uh, we had six on one boat and five on the other. Then then I had one. A family that that came and it was only two on that boat and then i had a, a gift certificate a father's day gift certificate and he actually came by himself he didn't even let his kids come Goodness <laughs> gracious. he wanted his father's day to be his day he needed some time to catch his breath and <laughs> yeah and he and he was on my boat today and uh and he was by himself and he he boated 19 fish now he didn't get to keep 19 but he boated 19 yeah. hey that's a good day yeah that's fun. yes sir that's yes, a good sir. day so i'll take it you know when you're fishing that deep you're you're kind of on the lower end of these reservoirs is that right not not up in the arms and up the northern end of the river side of it you're down you're down in the main lake yeah, uh, we we sort of start in what I call uh, the middle part of the lake, and then mm-hmm. then before the day's out, as the morning gets, just say mid morning. By then, we're we're down on the lower end of the lake in the real deep, cooler water. Now, obviously, I think a guy, you know, especially a guy like me who. Yeah, I mean, I know what I'm doing when it comes to fishing, but the technique of of chasing big striper bass, I think these guys are definitely more advantageous to give you guys a call and come take a trip with you but you know if a guy if a guy just wanted to go try to catch some striper bass on lake martin right now uh in in the most simplest form you know how how could you encourage the listeners today to maybe kind of get that striper fever by catching a few you know what, what kind of tip would you give them you talking about on their own yes uh on their own i would do one or two things I, I would live bait fish with with uh, some black salties or or possibly some if you could get them some jumbo bass shiners. You know sometimes you can mm-hmm. find those around the uh, bait bait shops. I would do that. Uh, I'd bring a cast net and try my best to catch some uh, herring or some uh, shad or some spot tails. Just you know just any type of live bait you know and uh and you know and then the other thing if you didn't want to fool with live bait is if you have a downrigger i'd be pulling downriggers right now if you don't have downriggers i'd i'd rig me up something like a real real deep diving uh crankbait and pull it uh behind my boat you know and pull it two to three miles an hour and uh if early, early in the morning you catch these fish above 40 feet. Now, as the sun gets higher up and it, the water warms up a little bit, you know, those fish are going to go a little deeper than 40. So, so if you're going to troll, the best thing to do is, you know, start at daylight if you can. So do a lot of the guys that, that maybe come fish with you, do they, do they want to or, or pull those big deep diving crankbaits? Or do you really just kind of control the day? I control the day and mm-hmm. unless they specifically ask that they want to fish a certain way. 
Yeah. And and every now and then I do have that. I have people that want to bring a fly rod and they want to get one on a fly rod. Uh, I have other people that want to learn how to troll with downriggers, so we'll go do that. Mm -hmm. And then I've got other people that just absolutely don't want to do anything but live bait, and that's what we do. And all that is if they ask. If they don't ask, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to get them fishing the boat. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, when you're talking about the catching the, the, the herring and the live bait with a cast net, you know, I know that, you know, growing up in Demopolis, Alabama, we had a lock and dam right there. Uh, and we had a pl- couple places like this where we would go, the the way the dam was in Demopolis, you kind of had the main falls coming off, you know, and then we had a shelf that came off of a limestone shelf, and it was basically a waterfall all along there. And it didn't really matter hardly what time of year it was, those shad they get in that that they school up right there it seems like in that where the where the waterfall is coming off into the tom baby river and you go up there and we you know take your cast net and throw it one time and fill your whole cast net up with shad when you're going out and trying to find it's different in these lakes than a river system how are you catching these herring with your uh, with your cast net are you looking for them surfacing on the water and then going to the school and throwing them. I mean, what, how do you go about finding them? The easiest way as far as the herring to get is get them before daylight with a light. Whether you put a light out or you go to somebody's dock that's got a, you know, mm. a, a light and got the right water and all that, and then just catch them with a cast net. It's aggravating, but, I mean, that's just what you got to do. Now, there is... And we have found a few herring that we can catch during the day. Uh, they're not always there, but but we've been able to catch some during the day. Our size herring, you have to use a smaller diameter net as far as the holes in your net, you know, uh, because these aren't just great big baits that you're catching when you're catching these herring. Man, that's good. Well, uh David, tell tell the folks uh, if they want to come, you know, fish with you guys. And it sounds like there's there's one boat that's dominating the rest of them. But I'll let yeah. you decide the boat with you. David. <laughs> tell them how how uh, they can get a hold of you. Maybe come visit you and go fishing with you or your crew. Your sounds like you got a fleet of guys that you're working together with to help folks have a, a fun experience. Uh, how can they get in touch with you? The best way to get me is uh, either call or text me at 256-401-3089 or just look me up on Facebook, Ellett City Guys Service Lake Martin, or my website, ellettcityguysservice.com. And, uh, you know, and of course, my telephone numbers are on there. And uh, just shoot us a text or give us a call. We don't charge a deposit. We're easy to work with. If the weather's bad, we don't, you know, we don't hold your feet to the fire and make you go out there in bad weather with us. You know, if you want to reschedule, reschedule. And uh, I'm just one of those people that still believe you. If you tell me you're coming, that's that's all I need. I just need your word, and we and we'll be there and meet you. 
Well, okay. you you sound like my kind of people and the kind we'd love to jump in the boat with one day. And, and uh, me and Stephen need to get down there and, and try to go out and catch some of these big stripes with you one day. It'd be a lot of fun and, and something that we don't get a chance to do all the time. So, man, we appreciate you uh, being on today. It sounds like if you're somebody that is interested in catching some, some stripes, that now may be the time to go. Uh, these guys are catching them. So give David a call, look him up, and uh, David, man, be safe out there, and we will talk to you next time, brother. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good week. Thank you. Thank you, man. Week. See ya. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Brian, again, man, it's always crazy hearing these striper fishermen. It's a whole nother world. Man, I used to grow up catching stripers, but it was back in the creeks, and, man, I was catching little 12 inches, thinking, man, this is awesome, you know, but little did I know I was actually just catching, you know, a lot of more white bass and, you know, hybrids that I didn't know anything about it. I just know you take a little swirly tail grub, white swirly tail grub, man, and you can wax them in those creeks back in the spring. But the stuff that we've had these guys on talking about, man, it's a whole nother ball game. Whole nother deal. And, you know, I just keep thinking about my nine-year-old hooking into a 20-pounder. How he much would, would he love that? He would lose his mind. But, uh, man, let's jump right over to uh, a little bit on the other side of the state. We were down at, we were down at uh, Lake Martin. Now let's jump up to the Tennessee River with Captain Chris Jackson. Chris, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. How about you today? Man, we are giving it everything we have. If we come up short today, it won't be because it's our, our fault. It'd just be the nature of the beast. But we're giving it everything we have. And uh, love hearing some fishing stories, man. It sounds like you've been bouncing around a little bit. Tell us about where you've been and what's going on. Uh, well, this week I stayed uh, I stayed on Lake Gunnersville for the last couple of days. And then today I just couldn't talk my client into going to Lake Gunnersville. So we were at Wheeler. He's got a house on Wheeler. And him and his dad, they're doing a Father's Day deal. Um, actually, that's all I've done all week was Father's Day gift cards. And, and uh, mm. I think after the end of the half day, he was he was pretty much – convinced that when the guy tells you to go to a different lake you might want to take his take his word of advice <laughs> uh, you know you know you always uh you know the beginning of your show you always say the good the bad and the ugly well i, I can tell you right now that, that i can give you the ugly on gunners without a, or uh on wheeler without a doubt the uh the flats didn't show out today huh oh no well we fished the lower end because they wanted to fish down near where where they're used to and where they're around yeah, and uh, and you know the the lower end of a wheeler for me fishes more like smallmouth fishing, which mm -hmm. is great, you know. But but the fish are really really deep right now, and we worked for every single bite we got today. And you know the morning bite we had a little bit of a breeze, and that that breeze will normally push the bait fish down, which kind of slows the top water bite down a little bit. Apparently the bass didn't read the same book we get because you know usually a breeze is supposed to make the top water bite better. Mm -hmm. but this time of year it actually hurts it more from from what i've seen so we caught a couple on the swim bait couple on the the new dual realist square bill crankbait my client's real happy about that because they got to they got to be the first people actually probably in the state of alabama to even throw it besides me and uh and aaron martins and it's one that he designed so they got to catch a couple of fish on that they were real happy and then then the sun came up real good and the bite went way far away i don't know where it went to <laughs> he got, <laughs> we only caught two more fish after about nine o'clock this morning wow man that's that's awesome to hear about those new baits because uh, i don't know if you guys remember last time we had chris on he started talking about the spy bait and and kind of how it's come come on scene and 
man, you taught me into going to get one. <laughs> so, Did you go get so, one? Yeah, I went and got one this weekend. I was I was at Bass Pro Shops and I was looking at all the different brands and you know I, I actually have a great relationship with Strike King Lure Company. I'm I'm texting Strike King my Strike King guy saying, you know, where's it at? Where's it at? You know, so, uh, but, but Chris taught me in and going, he intrigued me so much about, uh, throwing this bait in schools of fish and just letting it sink down deep. And, um, so I got one and I'm, uh, I'm going to go give it a try. You haven't put it in the water yet. No, man, no. Like we opened the show, man, too many people feeding their deer right now for me to go fishing which is you know it's kind of it's kind of crazy because i own a feed company but all i really care about is fishing and uh it's keeping me from fishing especially i love offshore fishing and i love finding a good school on a ledge and trying to pick it apart and um that time is now unless you're on wheeler apparently but yeah (laughs) yeah but uh you should have went to gunnersville but you said you spent some time uh you spent some time this week on gunnersville or last week sorry i can't remember what you said but tell us a little bit about what you've been seeing on gunnersville since uh wheeler seems to still be the 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 stepchild of the group so um uh, gunnersville this week has showed out the the bigger bite is a little tough to get and, you know, I, I told my clients that yesterday or day before yesterday, you know, I told them, I said, it's, you know, the big bites a little tough. We're going to catch plenty of numbers. Um, our first stop, we caught 28. Our second stop, we caught like 15 or 16, moved to a moved 300, 400 yards down the ledge, caught another 10 or 15, ended up with 68 on the day. Um, then the, and all of them, you know, that three to four and a half pound range. And then, uh, and you know, we did have some in that that small range, you know, from two pound range. Mm-hmm. But um, then we moved. The next day, we moved to a different area, and the first fish you put in the boat was nine point seven three on my scale, and the second fish you put in the boat was six. And he was like, "Okay, I'm done. We can go back now. I I quit." <laughs> and, uh, Good uh, gracious. You know, and yeah, so and I uh, had a an eighty four year young man doesn't even throw a bait caster land that that big fish, and it was awesome watching him. I mean, man, it, that it is like you awesome. could see. Yeah, you could see the light in his eyes, and I mean, he was he was he was this awesome guy, but but he was fun to watch watch catch that big fish. Eighty six awesome. years old. Yeah, uh, eighty four. Eighty four, man. That's that is yeah, awesome. That is awesome. Well, but t- so so that's intriguing though, because you 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 say the bite's good, and man, you pulling up spots and catching twenty eight. Man, that's I can't. I mean, I keep thinking about my son. I mean, he loses mind on that. But tell us about was it just kind of man the and I don't want to I don't want to use this. I'm going to say what I'm going to say for the lack of for a better return because I don't want to disrespect your ability. But was it just dumb luck, or did you change? an approach to be able to hone in and get those two big fish bites the big fish bites actually they were not everybody that's on gunnersville right now for the most part is fishing the ledges mm-hmm. and you're fit and they're fishing anywhere between say 12 15 foot of water down to about 25 30 and those fish are there they're just real real lethargic mm-hmm. and you know a lot of them that the bigger fish even that we caught yesterday those fish were they didn't one of them didn't even look healthy the big one didn't even look healthy she looked like she had been just beat with a baseball bat she was tired you could tell um didn't really fight super hard 
so you know that that fish is coming back out after after a stressful spawn i guess and that's kind of the the way i attributed it the if, if you want to catch bigger fish versus numbers that's that's the mental game of, mm. of bass fishing that's right and I, I try to tell my clients that all the time you know if you want to go catch 25 or 30 fish or do you want to catch three fish that weigh six pounds a piece yeah, yeah. And if you want to catch the three fish that weigh six pounds a piece, you know, we're going to throw big swim baits and we're going to throw three quarter ounce football head jigs and you're going to catch three fish, but they're going to be good. Um, you know, if you want to go catch numbers, we're going to go throw worms and uh, stick baits and stuff like that that mm-hmm. catch those aggressive smaller fish right off the bat. But they, but everybody that's on the ledge, they're, they're fishing a little shallow from what I can tell. And so they're catching those smaller fish. And they're fishing fast. A lot of the guys that I saw out there, and I'm sure there's guys that are going to just smash them, but there was a lot of the people are fishing the BFL that's coming up to you know this weekend, and it's it's going to be one of those deals where that guy that goes after three bites as opposed to numbers is the guy that's going to win. Like if I get in a boat and go with you and 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 say, hey, I, I want to catch the big fish. I, I, you know, the numbers we may do that next time, but let's go out to the big fish right now. Are we going to fish the same places, just with different lures and different presentation, or are are the big fish seem to be in a different spot? Yeah. Well, there's kind of a dual answer to that. One. We're going to fish the same area, but we're going to just fish it differently, and we're going to fish a little bit deeper and a lot slower. So that's going to be the main thing. But now, you know, the, that nine that we caught, that fish was in four and a half feet of water. Um, my boat actually drifted up onto the flat a little bit where it falls off, and the guy just turned around and cast the other direction and caught it. And honestly, I was like, whoa, what's that fish doing there? And then the next cast he makes, he catches, you know, the next one that was six. And I was like, well, maybe we're on to something. And we caught two or three, but now then all of a sudden we started catching small fish there. I moved back out deep and we started catching five pounders. So it's the side, there's, they're really, it's, it's not like up north where like smallmouth group by size. It's these fish, you know, you can catch a, a 15 inch fish and then catch a 24 inch fish in the same exact spot mm. um a lot of times it's, it's a little bit of luck but a lot of it's presentation and, and being real methodical you know when i work a jig on the ledge i don't i don't really you know pull it fast i'll move my rod tip maybe three or four inches at a time and i let that jig fish every i want my jig to touch every single thing on the bottom all the way back to the boat and then once i get bit First thing I do is I look down at my sonar, and if it says that I'm sitting in 27 feet of water, I'll keep my boat 27 feet of water the rest of the day um, at every stop I make. And generally, that's how I pattern them. Again, we're sticking with Gunnersville here because I know, you know, Wheeler Wheeler has some ledges and has some grass flats, but you're spending time on the south end where it sets up more like smallmouth fishing with the bluffs and much deeper, deeper, deeper flats. But when you're trying to locate these fish this time of year on Gunnersville, and are you still, obviously anybody who knows anything about Gunnersville is very familiar with the abundance of aquatic vegetation and, and really how big of a uh, part that it plays in the success of that 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 system but are you still associating your approach even though you're fishing you know 12 to 
sounds like 12 to 30 foot of water, are you still associating your, 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 your pursuit with some sort of relationship to aquatic vegetation? Or are you really just honed in on, say, a shell bed or, or a gravel bar you know, um, this time of year on Garnersville? Um, I usually will, will go towards more towards those shell beds, but I want aquatic grass around them. And generally, you know, like millful doesn't really grow in anything deeper than about 10 to 12 feet of water. Mm-hmm. So, so I rule millful out real quick. Um, the way my granddaddy taught me to teach gun or taught me to fish gunnersful, you know, you get there 69,000 acres of water and 67,000 acres of it has grass in it. Um, and everybody just goes, Oh no, what do I do? Because everything looks like it has fish. So he taught me to look for grass flats that would hold fish if the grass wasn't there. So when you're looking, look for stumps and uh, rock piles or small shell beds that are in the middle of that grass. Uh, a lot of times when you go to Guttersville and you're just idling across a flat, if you'll stand up and look, with you know some good polarized glasses you can see you know a big clump of grass here and then all of a sudden there's no grass and then there's another big clump of grass usually where that grass is not there there's a shell bed of it and you concentrate on the outside edges of the grass and in that shell bed because the fish will actually it's an ambush spot and the bait fish will swim where it's easy you know where there's no grass so the the better fish will will back up into the grass and see it camouflaged and just get the you know the bait fish as they swim by and that's kind of the way you want to present your bait fishing on the ledges right now i look primarily for those those shell beds and i look for deeper hydrilla um because right on the outside edges of those hydrillas on those shell beds is where a lot of times those fish are going to be at and you always want to present your bait with the current so you throw it up current and bring your bait back, say, uh, it, when I'm fishing the ledge, I try to fish it at, say, a 45-degree angle, 30 to 45-degree angle. So that way I can fish different depths on one cast until I get bit. And then once I get bit, then I can throw parallel to it all day long. But, you know, fishing with the current so your bait looks more natural. And and once you get that pattern, you know, reach down and hit waypoint when you catch a fish. And then the next fish you catch, reach down the hit waypoint and then back your map out and look at it. And then you'll notice, hey, those both of those bites came on the inside turn of an underwater point. And then you just start going to the inside turn of each underwater point, And then you've got a pattern. And you, you can basically remove half of that ledge in three or four casts. You can remove, you know, move that unproductive water out of your eyesight and only pinpoint that one section. Well, it sounds you like your uh, your granddaddy gave fed you some some uh, gift of knowledge right there. That was uh, some advice that, that I know you've used a lot through the years. It sounds like, man, if I'm sixty fish with a three pound average, that's yeah. I mean, the fish, that's the a, fish, that's good. yeah, it's great. I mean, the fishing right now, the the difference is from say ten years ago, ten twelve years ago, you didn't catch that many fish until the fall but you caught bigger fish now you're starting to catch smaller fish but you're catching bigger numbers i was talking to a guy last night on the phone that's a client of mine that's actually he's fishing that tournament and i told him you know his biggest issue is like man i can catch all the three pounders i want but it's a three fish tournament i'm gonna have to have more than three pounders 
And I said, yeah. I said, you're either going to have to grind through a whole bunch of them or you're going to have to just be content not catching but four or five fish all day and just grind in the sunlight until you can you can get those three good bites. And, you know, mentally, that's a tough thing to do, especially if you're in a tournament. Um, but, you know, I remember back in the day, if you had a four-pounder and, and on your first stop, you didn't even put it in a live well. Because 10 years ago, if you had a four-pounder in your live well, you probably weren't going to get a check. Golly. And, you know, and now, you know, now I've seen tournaments, you know, now they could blow it out of the water, you know, at the BFL. And, you know, a three-fish limit of 25 pounds could win. But, you know, now a five-fish tournament and guys that are catching 16 pounds can, can get a check. It used to be. If you didn't have 20-plus pounds, you didn't get a check, and that, that was them paying the top 20, top 50. So, you know, I think the numbers of fish have gotten better. The size has gone down a little bit. Not much, but a little bit compared to 10, 12, 15 years ago. I mean, I know this is a very loaded question and it'll be answered a thousand different ways, but, I mean, what do you, what do you equate that to? Do you think it's just continued – year after year successful spawns and, and people really not taking fish out of the lake. Do you think it's a, a forage deal or it's just kind of a natural occurrence? Do you think there's a, a variable there that's creating a great population? And cause you know, if you, if you look at a, uh, if you look in a, uh, a pond environment or even, you know, I'll, I mentioned my feed company often on the show. And, and one of the big things we always deal with is overpopulation of deer. And the reason why guys don't have, big deers are feeding too many too many mouths so when you say that it, that kind of jumps out at me but but you're on the water day in and day out for years now and your lifetime and do you see a do you see something that a common denominator there that may be creating that or causing that honestly i think it's a it's a combination of several things we've had great spawns and i think the reason we've had some really successful spawns is because the weather's been kind of screwed up during the spawn the last three or four years Usually the, the water temperature would hit that 62 to 64 degree and all those fish would shove up at one time. Well, this last two or three years in the spring, instead of them all coming up at one time, they'd come up in little tiny waves. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, I've saw three separate females on the same bed at three different times. You know, and, and those cold fronts messing things up, you know, we had some bad weather and some flooding issues that that helped out i think and kept some of those fish from from being really trampled on a whole lot and so we, we did have a lot of fry that that were you know born mm -hmm. and and survived where sometimes they wouldn't necessarily survive but on the other hand the the downfall is i've seen a whole lot of big fish being pulled out of the lake that weren't allowed to reproduce yeah. um especially you know during spawn you know and you, you see and we see that anybody that watches the internet sees you know guys that, and it you know and some guys are right it, it's totally their right to to be able to keep you know their krill limit of bass mm -hmm. you know me personally i i see it as hundred dollar bills just being burned up in an ashtray but when when you stick a, an ice pick in an eight pounder nobody's ever going to catch that eight pounder again and it and that eight pounder you know is not going to reproduce and that i think that has a lot to do with with the fish the big trophy fish population dropping just a little bit 
you know, I've, I've me and, and Tim Chandler and several other guides, I know we've always advocated, you know, and, and back when Troy Jens was guiding, you know, we were kind of like the original group, I guess. And, and we always advocated for Alabama to get on, on the same program like Texas has. You know, Texas has the Share Lunker program. And and that's an amazing thing. And it's done huge for the state of Texas mm-hmm. as far as trophy bass. Where you catch a fish, they pay you X amount of dollars. You know, it's like a reward. Mm-hmm. The, the Texas Game and Fish comes out, they get it, they take it to a pond, and they breed it for like four or five years. And they release all those fish back into the lake. And, you know, they give you a replica mm-hmm. amount. So, so you know, it's an awesome deal. And it's any fish over 10 pounds. And, and I actually had a state Game and Fish guy tell me in Texas when I was fishing at Lake Conroe um, in a PAA event that there were more 10-pound fish per acre in Lake Fork than anywhere else in Texas. And because that's the original place they started doing that at. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it shows true. I mean, there's a lot of big fish there. And if we could get that kind of program here, that would be great. But the conservation efforts has gotten better and better every year. And I, I think, you know, it's like Smith Lake. Smith Lake has turned completely around. It used to be just a, a horrible place. That most people want to put a, put a golf course in and just drain all the water of it. But now, you know, 25 pounds of spots is winning tournaments. Yeah. So, you know, it, it shows that doing doing slot limits and stuff like that makes a big difference. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I even, you know, in my short life to date, I've even seen that transpire on Smith when I first started tournament fishing in 2005. First, actually first tournament I ever fished on a trail was on Smith, Smith Lake. And it, it very much had that, that stigma and that, that bias towards it, that it really was just kind of a, just a nothing hole in the wall. But Man, the last couple of years, it's really has shown out and become quite a fun place to fish. But, uh, Chris, I got one more question. I just, I've been chewing on when you started talking about because I, I agree, and even you being a tournament fisherman, and I once being a tournament fisherman and living that life of making the decision of numbers versus size, and uh, do we need to focus on just being consistent here and getting fish in the boat or, or going for big fish and trying to do something special because it's it's two different decisions, and you you talked about that with even your guide, the people you guide, but on, on Gunnersville, when we when we are deciding, you know what, we're, we're going to go for the three big bites, and you, you mentioned swim bait. Because actually, last time I was on Gardnersville, I was like, yeah, I wonder how big of a swim bait I could throw and still get bit. Uh, what What's your biggest swim bait you've that you've caught a fish on uh, on Gardnersville? Because and the reason I want to the reason I say that is, is because I think it's it's intimidating for a lot of people. But obviously, the first time you successfully throw a big swim bait and and catch a big one, you know, you, your confidence skyrockets. What's your biggest swim bait bite? The the size. Of- um size of the swim bait the size of the swim bait yeah actually i i have caught i've only caught three in my life but i don't throw it a whole lot but my biggest swim bait bite in alabama was a 13.9 that i caught off a gunner's full and i caught it on a 12 inch roman made mother (laughs) that's awesome man that's awesome that you've caught a 13 13 pound what's your biggest fish that that's my biggest fishing on gunners for you in Alabama. Now I, I did I did catch one that was bigger than that. I caught a sixteen at at uh, Clear Lake in California, but you know that was that was 
I don't even really count that one because we were fishing where they were dropping trout in the lake. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's where we were fishing, and we were throwing you know big eight and nine inch trout swim baits and i was learning how to swim bait fish is what i was doing yeah and you know so that built my confidence up you know a lot i did i didn't own a, a rod that looked like a an eight foot pool cue until until i went there and now now i own six <laughs> <laughs> yeah that well, that's awesome. 12 inch swim bait that'd be that would be a little intimidating you yeah. know though, if you hadn't got the confidence oh it is he did uh, it was funny i was I was throwing at Gunnersville on a causeway, and, and this lady that was crappie fishing, I threw it out. I guess she didn't see me throw it out, and I start reading it back, and it's a wake bait. And I was waking, and she said, oh, you got one, you got one. And I was like, no, that's just my bait. And she's like, I, I'm trying to catch fish the size of the bait you're throwing. <laughs> but, you know. And it's been really, really cool. I've had a lot of people from out west, you know, teach me a lot about swim baits. And, and in fact, the guy that helps design Roman made swim baits, you know, he's the guy that was on my boat the day I caught that fish. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is a photo op. And I was all excited. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's a good fish. And I'm like, dude, it's not just a good fish. And he's like, man, we catch those all day in California. Uh, <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, well, I'm all that same caliber you are. I just yeah. caught a fish on it. You know, I actually coal fish the size of this bait sometimes. So, that's right. So wow. It's, uh, wow. Yeah. That's great, Chris. Well, if somebody's going to come up there, what is the tip of the day that you would give for someone who went up there this weekend? The biggest thing is probably from Goose Pond down and fish early morning, fish like a small white buzz bait. You know, roll it, slow roll it over the top of the grass on the very tops of the ledges. You can catch all the numbers you want doing that or a small stick bait. And, you know, just tie on a big worm and throw it and, and work it on, let's say, an eighth inch or an eighth ounce tungsten head and slow roll it and swim it through the grass. And then as the sun comes up, tie on a three-quarter ounce football head jig and put a crawl trailer on it and just drag it and you'll you'll get bit you know if you're familiar with your electronics uh you can cut that time down a whole lot by just riding the ledge and you'll find those schools stacked up and you just turn around and start fishing them but numbers wise the top water bite is really good and and the swim bait bite is really good three and a half four and a half inch swim baits works works wonders they're they're catching good fish and it really doesn't even matter how you how you decide to, to rig it you can rig it you know like on a true bass swim head or you can rig it, you know, on a on a like an owner hook, you know, a flash swimmer, and and you can catch a meter away. Um, they're not really picky, to be honest with you. You just swim it through the grass. The key is hitting the grass. That's the main key on those number bites. Hit the grass. Hit the grass. You, if your bait's above the grass and it's not hitting the grass, then you're probably not going to get bit. Not going to get bit is enough, at least. Mm-hmm. But if if it's in the grass, um, kind of teasing them and makes them come out and eat it, they will definitely eat it without a doubt that's awesome well chris thanks for your time and you're always so great and articulate and i love it i know i know the uh it keeps the uh, listeners engaged and very informational and i appreciate the level of information that mm-hmm. you provide because uh, it's very helpful for our listeners and you know a lot of times guys want to learn things and keep it to themselves but what amazing power is in knowledge and sharing knowledge so 
uh, I'm grateful for that in the in in the advancement of our sport and our passion to fish. So thank you for always sharing in detail what you're seeing and what you're learning, and uh, tell everybody how how they can get in touch with you, come fish with you for a day, and catch catch a bunch of fish. But the best way to get in touch with me, you can call me on my cell phone or you can catch me at 205-706-2425. You can catch me on Facebook at Captain Chris Jackson, Professional Angler. Uh, That's my page or just look up Chris Jackson or you can even Google it. Uh, My website, I I took my website down for a little while. They're doing some some reconstruction to it and trying to get it fixed and better. Um, So so that's down, but, but you can always get me that way without a doubt. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, well, we always appreciate it, uh, like Stephen said. And, and, and guys, if you're, you're listening, you want to go up there and, and jump in the boat with a guy that not only are you going to catch fish, but I have a real good feeling you're going to learn a lot when you go up there and, and, and fish with Captain Chris. So thank you, man. We appreciate you be, being on. Uh, keep catching the fish and, and stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, man. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Chris is—he's just full of knowledge. We we love that guy being on here. We always learn something, and and the guy puts fish in the boat. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it, and like I said, it's really cool when the guys willing to really articulate and communicate what's going on, what they're seeing, what they've discovered, and I know our listeners really appreciate it. So um, thanks again, Chris, uh, for that. But uh, man, let's let's just move on to our next segment and. You know, let's stay on the Tennessee River. I know we uh, sometimes may be a little biased towards the Tennessee River, but the fact of the matter is it's an amazing fishery. It's amazing So why fishery. not talk about it? Who we got up next, man? Man, we got Nathan Martin on here. Nathan, what's going on, buddy? Man, not a lot. Uh, wishing I was fishing today. <laughs> man, I hear you. It might be a good day. From what we've heard early today, it, it might be a good, uh, may be a good time. So you've been fishing, uh, you've been fishing Pickwick a good bit uh, and Wilson? Yeah, mostly Pickwick, but some on Wilson. Uh, Pickwick, the, you know, the ledge bite's really on fire. You get up there and get school fired up, you can catch a big bag. You know, it, it took, uh, Close to 17 pounds on the Monday nighter down here, uh, our fish. And then uh, on the upper end, uh, it took 18 pounds. So the fish are biting real good. Uh, it's not super easy, uh, but when you do get them fired up, you know, you can catch some big ones, and it's a good time. Uh, we've been catching most of the fires up cranking, or, uh, you know, we'll start using with a jig or a drop shot, get them fired up, and then start cranking and get big bites cranking uh, but it's been a, been a fun couple of weeks they finally got out there you know the, the spring was long and then we had a lot of rain so had a lot of current that kept those fish shallower deeper spots and a lot of them still on the bank but current slowed down and those fish really got out there and if you want to learn how to fish offshore electronics trip anything like that now is the best time to go all year so yeah, and that's what it sounds like. It sounds like uh, from the, that, you know, the the fish, you know, of course, it's, you know, we're getting toward the end of June and the fish have, have moved out to the ledges. Uh, you know, what kind of what kind of depth are you, are you fishing right now? Where are you finding the fish? These fish seem to have a home, you know, they'll get wherever they're headed. Uh, they're going to stay for a long time and some of them stay in 10, 12 foot. Some of them like getting out there in 20, 25 foot. 
mean, we got schools in all different depth ranges, and there's still plenty of fish in that eight, ten foot grass. I mean, they're they're all over the board as far as your depth range. I don't really go out thinking, you know, I'm gonna focus on this depth all day. I bounce around, and there's fish in all different depths. I'm focusing completely offshore. You know, it might not be 20 foot all the time, but I'm offshore all the time this time of year, eight to 25 feet, depending on if I'm in grass or if I'm on the ledges or where I'm at. But yeah, I think that's an important thing to note for for our listeners, is especially on the Tennessee River, and even more so on Pickwick. I mean, a lot of times these offshore bites. I mean, like you said, you're you're not necessarily deep when you're offshore. These 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 ledges and these these flats that are in the middle of the river can come up to five foot in the middle of four foot right in the middle of the river. But those fish are setting up on that, that um, based off of currents and uh, forage availability and, and obviously those shell beds. So, you know, when a guy's fishing offshore, it doesn't always mean he's fishing deep, but, but, but it is, Deep can be good this time of year. I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, you, most of you know, most of your schools, ninety percent of your schools are going to be in that eighteen to twenty-four foot range. You know, fifteen mm-hmm. to twenty-four. You know, but there are those little outlier schools that they don't. I don't. I don't know. They just don't like to get as deep, and they'll stay. They got deep water real close, so they can slide off. But when you get when they catch when you start catching them, you know, yeah. they pull up on that twelve foot pump or bar or whatever it is yeah so uh so how how are you catching those fish right now um you know how how does your day lay out with a with a client and and what's kind of the dominant technique right now uh just really however honestly every school is different you know Mm -hmm. they're just like us they like different things so if i'm tournament fishing i'm probably just gonna whirl in there and throw something big because i'm looking for five bites all day i'm not trying to catch a hundred but if i'm on a trip you know i'll slide in there with a jig or drop shot and catch a bunch of them and then as you get that school fired up you start throwing bigger baits in there and you mm-hmm. get some bigger bites yeah and just and, and you know we 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 just had a guy on and uh, before you here on the on on today's podcast that you know with fishing gunnerville and and he's talking you know 60 70 fish days and you know three pound average is is pickwick uh, uh, what's a good day on pickwick as far as numbers and size i mean how's it compare you fish both lakes and you fish both lakes a lot what's what's the difference in the two lakes as far as what you catch in numbers and size you know when i got out there on gunnersville and i don't get up there as much as i'd like uh but i got out there I think uh, before that it started getting a lot of offshore pressure. So if they're still catching 60 fish a day up there, that's that's really good. But that's about what we're doing here, too. Uh, I would say a 40 to 60 fish day is a good day on Pickwick. And then you have those outlier days where you have a front come in and they're just eating all day and you can catch 80, 100 fish a day. But as good as everybody's gotten with their electronics now, that these schools are are uh they're beat up and pressured and so you you really got to know how to line up on them and get them fired up to really get them going and get catch those 40 and 50 60 fish numbers you know average weight i would say 
maybe not a three pound average, but a two, two and a half pound average for sure. Good solid, you know, 16, 17 inch fish. You know, you can catch 30 of those a day. That's a good day. So you, so you talk about, you know, these, the people, and I totally agree that, man, electronics are, you know, definitely from a fishery standpoint, a blessing and a curse. And, uh, but I'm an offshore guy, so I, I'm grateful for electronics. And th- these schools do get beat up on significantly more than they've had generations past. And what's maybe something you can share with our listeners that you, how, how can you make a slight adjustment as the summer goes on to try to help, you know, still be able to catch these offshore fish that you find on your graph, even though after they've kind of been fished quite a bit? Man, honestly, when I'm thinking about fishing, I try and think about other things like uh, other animals, other people. <laughs> this sounds crazy, but if you drag the same bone by a dog every day, he might not get excited. But if you drag something that's squeaky by him and it's got a lot of flash and something, he might get up and eat it or try and, you know, chase it. Same way with us, you know. If, if we just gorged ourselves on steak and somebody brings a bunch of steak, we might not get up, but if somebody brings us some pie, we might get up and bite it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when I'm thinking about offshore fishing and I'm thinking about pressured fish, I'm trying to keep something in the back of my, you know, arsenal that maybe nobody else is throwing or throw a wrinkle in it. Maybe somebody else is throwing it, but they aren't throwing it the way that I'm throwing it. Or I add something to the lure that does something a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's for tournament fishing, you know, on a guide trip, and I'm just trying to go catch a bunch of fish, and I'm going to put a jig and a drop shot in my hand and go catch a bunch. Uh, but if I'm trying to catch a big one, trying to win a tournament, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some type of wrinkle that I'm going to throw throughout the day that I, I've keyed in on that they'll that can trigger that bigger bite. And uh, after I get my good solid limit, I'm going to keep that in my hand all day and hope that I pull up three times with big ones. You know, traditionally, the morning bite is awesome this time of year. Are you still seeing that, or are fish turning on in the afternoon? And where, where are you kind of seeing your, your, you know, your go-to bite right now? If a guy only had a couple hours to fish. Uh, I would say your best time to fish is from 3 to 5. I mean, there is a really good morning bite, but you got to be out there early, you know. And then it kind of dies off until around 1, and then it starts picking up. But I would. I would say your best time is later in the evening when they get hungry again and they're pulling water. So that three to five probably be your best nice. time to go. Yeah, so look, you don't even have to get up early like mm-hmm. them striper guys to go catch a good sack of fish on Pickwick. You can uh, you can sleep in and grab you a nice lunch and then head to the lake, right? There you go, man. That's sleep awesome. in. That's awesome. Yeah, we do a, a ton of trips from one to five, you know, just half day eating and trips and they biting so what about what about wilson man anything anything neat going on in wilson i know it's a smaller uh body of water for the system but um uh, it's a sleeper in my opinion and it's where i kind of cut my teeth growing up actually uh, my first boat so wilson has a special special place in my heart what's going on on wilson right now well wilson's a little crazy you know there's so many things you can do on wilson get up there at the dam and crank and there's always fish up there at the dam and uh, so you can get up there you can go offshore you know down river and catch them offshore just like on pitwick it's just 
little different deal. There's not as many ledges, obviously, on Wilson as there is pigweed. So those fish are definitely pressured. But there are some schools that get in little crazy places that uh, you can really, I mean, you can get offshore and draft them up just like on Pickwick. And if you can find those schools on Wilson that aren't on those obvious spots, then seems like Wilson's got a, just a ton of four and five pounders, you know. So yeah. seems like you're – your average on Wilson's going to be bigger than Pickwick, but your bigger, bigger fish, like your eights and nines and tens, are going to be on Pickwick. So it's really just whatever you want to do. And then also on Wilson, you can get on that bank grass. Since, the, since it's so deep, they can get they can pull up in that bank grass and then get back off deep real fast. And so you can get in that bank grass, throw your swim jig around, and have you some fun blow ups or on a frog. How's the smallmouth bite right now? Man, the smallmouth bite has been not that great. I mean, you can catch some, but not big ones for mm-hmm. some reason right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't been good since April, and usually it's really good. So I don't really know what's going on with them. Interesting. Well, man, I I love Wilson, and I I know it's a it fishes a little bit tighter because it's only 11 miles long but uh and you, you compare that to like the 69,000 acres of lake gunnersville and i don't know the the number do you know pickwick's acreage it, it pickwick's big too but it's just i know it's like 49 miles long or something like that it's crazy you go from a 49 miles to 11 mile little hole but it's got some big ones in it so well, Nathan, man, uh, tell the folks how they can get in touch with you uh, if they if they want to go fishing with you, man. Uh, you can look me up on Instagram or Facebook, any of that, Nathan Martin Fishing, or uh, you can visit my website, TennesseeRiverBassGuides.com. Uh, and then if you need any work with your electronics install or on-the-water classes, you can visit SeaClearPower.com and uh, get a hold of me there on Instagram, Facebook, or the website. So any of those you can find me. Awesome. Hey, share that. Share the one about your electronics again. Share that site again. What was it? SeaClearPower.com. It's S-E-A ClearPower.com. Awesome. Nathan can help you guys uh, install your new electronics and and, and really even help you understand – and the complexity of them because there's a lot to be unlocked in there as you learn more and more about your electronics especially this time of year when it's really key to finding fish so uh nate thank you man look forward to speaking to you again uh safe travels on the water and um we'll we'll be in touch soon all right thank you thank you buddy have a good one with the electronics like that that's great that he's offering that service yeah because you know i i grew up in an era you know when i started fishing where you know there the the electronics we had was was poor at best Mm -hmm. and most of the time there wasn't i mean we couldn't afford no electronics Mm -hmm. so so electronics can be very intimidating to Mm -hmm. a guy that hasn't that doesn't have the experience and really know how to use it right. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously listen to, to the guys on this podcast, especially this time of year, it's very valuable mm-hmm. to be good at the electronics. So that's a great service that yeah. Nathan's offering. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And I, I agree. I'll never forget my first, let's just say quote unquote, nice boat that had nice electronics. <laughs> uh and i was out of my league and it was very overwhelming 
uh, and what what am I looking at? And I know they say that is that that's fish, but but what do you mean that's fish? And how do you how do you really translate what you're seeing to the reality of the situation? And and, and even how do you translate what you're seeing to where is that at? You know, and, and learning that, learning the process of the the practical translation of what you're seeing on the screen versus what's out there where is it at and if i want to target that what i'm seeing how do i get there so absolutely yeah and you know and my dad's a great example of that with the crappie fishing i mean my dad's a really good crappie fisherman in north louisiana and and uh and loves it and 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 has has been good at it for a long time but but you know he got he got his first uh, electronics several years ago he, you know, he gets frustrated with it because he doesn't know how to operate <laughs> oh, yeah, it and, yeah. and ends up not really using it yeah. because he, he, he went out, first of all, he bought the wrong thing and, and, and bought something that, that, uh, heck he can't, you know, can't, can't use and is not, not made for what he's doing. So getting the right electronics is, is something, but cause if you don't, you, you do like, like good old dad and just uh cut it off and go to doing what you've been doing for all these it's years there, it's there but he's not using he's it he's not using it absolutely then there's an intimidation factor there with somebody learning something new so good stuff man well hey it's been a great show uh, man i had some had some great guests on today it sounds like that it's kind of i mean it's the 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 offshore bite is definitely on the summer school is on and uh uh spend a little time finding a school of fish and 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 work them a little bit you could probably have a really fun day of fishing and these strikes man this is still something that we got to do at some point and uh they, they catch some mighty big fish beautiful thing about alabama man we we got just like you were talking about the the how big these lakes were i mean you throw in lake martin in that mm-hmm. and logan martin i mean mm-hmm. We got some of the biggest bodies of water in, in the nation. And, right they're, and they're all good, but I think, oh, man, at the end of the day, the Tennessee River is truly special. What um, makes it so good? What makes it so different? I'm probably going to sound like a fool here, but uh, as a fisherman, this is what I think makes it good is, as a fisherman, the level of aquatic vegetation that is available in all the system. Aquatic vegetation is really a major factor in bass habitat. And if there's habitat, just like in, 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 in the deer world, if there's habitat where an animal can uh, not only survive but thrive, that ecosystem is going to be even better. And so the whole system has a great aquatic vegetation. Whereas if you look at like the Coosa system, the Coosa is great. Uh, it's a great spotted bass system. But a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. But there's only a couple of bodies of water or segments that, really have the grass uh, the aquatic vegetation that the tennessee river does and and the diversity in it so i mean the the coosa river has what generically we call coosa grass but i mean the 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 tennessee river i mean they have hydrilla and millfoil and and you know he called it the bank grass which is probably going to be very similar to the coosa grass i don't know all the, the scientific names but uh there's just there's a major um diversity there and then the tennessee river is a is is a navigation river so the locks and dams are a major player in current um and i think that's that's a huge factor from the standpoint of the current and then a lot of people a lot of people don't realize is you know i I grew up in the shoals and in that area and one of the things that they always talked about is 
if the dam system on the Tennessee River would have never been built, uh, that region actually would have been the world's greatest whitewater rafting or whitewater environment in the entire world. The way the geographical, uh, the topography of that region is, but we dammed it and it's and now it's a river system. And so there's this system of drops and ledges and and that is that create this wonderful uh, again ecosystem for a fish to drop off of a ledge and be schooled up and use the current to uh, ambush bait or to use eddy eddies calm water behind a, a mm-hmm. current break to position themselves to feed well, but then move up into a grass flat and be able to also ambush fish and not use a lot of energy to do so, not burn a lot of calories to do so. To do it, so right. I think it's just a number, a number of factors that you don't necessarily always see in a system like a reservoir which is really just they built a dam and they filled it up filled it up and right. whatever's there is there and you got just really constant your inflow is 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 weather driven versus you know the Tennessee River's flow is commercial driven and so it's creating that current and the current the current just creates a great opportunity to catch fish because it pos- positions fish well for you to catch them as an angler which was which is what makes I think a world class fishery is not only the fish being there, but your ability to catch the them, catchable, the catchability fish. of it. And so, well, um, and there's there's obviously a direct correlation if you look at and and he mentioned uh, Lake Fork on here, you know if you look at a uh, fish Sam Rayburn, you know those are lakes that are known for for aquatic vegetation. Mm-hmm. They got the hydrilla, mm-hmm. the millfoil. Mm-hmm. With that. It's all, you you also when you hear those lakes you you immediately think big bass because mm. they're big bass lakes yeah. so there's obviously a very direct correlation to size of fish mm-hmm. and and aquatic vegetation uh, vegetation and and actually we we will have Norman on here next week with Southeastern Pond Management and I think that's a really good thing for us to dive in with Norman a little bit too is why there's bait on the Coosa River chain just like there is in Guntersville, but the fish get bigger in Guntersville mm-hmm. because there's more vegetation there. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I know that there's a reason for that for mm-hmm. sure. And I know you probably already know the reason, uh, but I think that'd be really good to talk about yeah. with Norman next week too. Absolutely. I look forward to having Norman on. And, and so continuing to educate ourselves about the why, not just what's going on, but understanding why it's going on is only going to make you that better of a fisherman. And, you know, when you're a better fisherman, your experiences are better. You catch more fish and, and, and you enjoy the outdoors even more. And so, like I mentioned earlier in this show, knowledge is power. And just educating ourselves on how to be better at fishing. The, the approach, the why, the what, the how, all of the above is going to make us a better fisherman. And, and that's what we're really just trying to do each and every week on the show is just bring you knowledge and, and you go, you take it from there. So. That's right. And you got to take that knowledge and do something with it. That's but, right. But we're giving you some guys on here that are, that are ate up with some knowledge and, and we learn stuff every week. So man, that is going to be a wrap for the show today. We appreciate you guys listening. Please subscribe, rate and drop us a review whenever you listen to the podcast. Y'all, the reviews mean a lot to us. Um, 
tell your friends about it, spread the word. If you'd like to, man, we will email you the podcast each and every week. Just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash AFFR, and we'll send you the show each and every week. And great show today, Stephen, man. Look forward to seeing you next week, brother. See you, man. Take care. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Killer Dock. Check out the full line of all-natural dock-enhancing fish cleaning stations at KillerDock.com. And also brought to you by Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at Geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. And brought to you by Fish Bites. Ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.